It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. All right, guys, it's Lulz, and of course, we have many things going on within our spheres. We have Uticao having an interesting interview over with Adam Levitan on ETR. We have poker drama, Doug Polk stirring stuff up, fishing scandals to catch up on. We have Gambling Awareness Month. It's just going to be a very Lulzy show. Let's do it. I, does he think... I it's think he thinks goat. this He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you <laughs> not to do bus. Please. Please don't do bus. All right, Brian, the people want to know, how's your bracket doing, man? How's the bracket doing? I had Tennessee. Me too. Oh, you did really? Well, not not to win it all, but I believe I had Tennessee to the Final Four. No, yeah, I had uh, I had I had them win it all. I was just going for a solo, you know, pro- hopefully solo, or just a couple people picking the winner and just you know praying. He, they got farther. I was getting lucky. We were getting lucky there for a while with all the number ones and twos getting knocked out, but yeah, couldn't hang. Could not hang. Um, appreciate you guys hanging out in the chat. Little uh, later start time today. I was just doing uh, a stream over on Fantasy Life. As Anthony says, there was a man in our draft who took eight straight quarterbacks to start the draft. That presented a unique challenge. Um, PSA, t- use your use your uh, your restraints for your positional restraints when you draft, right? I took Felipe Franks in like the seventh or eighth round in one of mine because I was testing my, my app. Yeah. Uh, and it's not ready for prime time yet, for sure. Not ready. Not ready for prime time. Yeah. I mentioned it, um, your app the other day because we were on uh, the club and Andy, Andy8052, he had created a little Chrome extension for Underdog where he could um, max enter a contest. He was basically getting sick of having to manually click enter, um, you know, and basically found a way to save himself 15 minutes a day. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I think over the course of the summer, we're going to talk a little bit more about the tools you're building. I know some people are worried about what this means for the best ball space, but I feel like at least what you're doing, um, I guess, I, what are you comfortable sharing with what you've been working on right now? Um, well, why don't we just wait a week? Just wait a week. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We will wait a week and we can talk a little bit about, obviously people know the draft caddy that we were using last year. You could display your exposures and stuff, but Brian's kind of kicking things up a notch this year. So we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, did you get to a chance to catch the Uticao interview on ETR? I did. Were you shocked he doesn't use Sims? No, I know uh, Ricky know, Ricky D knows him a little bit. And we talked, we talked about it. We talked about him like at the bar once and uh, he told me he doesn't use Sims. So I knew, um, although his process did seem who, like, who knows what he's revealing. Right. <laughs> so, but his process did seem pretty, I don't know, ABC to me, which is like, he's just, 
he's just one of those kind of um, petty theft type of guys who pays attention more than everyone else. Uh, See, Petty, what'd you think? I found like, I'm not saying like, like I just found inconsistencies to like some of the things he said where it's like, he was like, Oh, I don't spend near the 80 hours, which I, I love that Adam gave the, uh, the, the weekend there, but he's also doing everything on his own with his own team. You know? And it's like, Oh, I don't use Sims, but I'm able to like scale my process for all these different sports. It just like not all of it added up to me in a way that like made sense of how he's actually executing at a high level at this volume. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say that too. It's, yeah, his process is much simpler than mine. This is Travis. For those listening at home, his process is much simpler than mine. I don't believe it. He's a sicko. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe something else is going. Uh, like he's got, he's just not, he's not like letting the cat out of the bag on something. Um, that is definitely one thing Pete just mentioned that I'm like, how do you get that much volume down on like across? I think he plays multiple sites. I mean, Mac Lovin's the, Real sicko, I think. Yeah. In terms of volume. And like they play like the the whatever. Um, short slates, you know, all the sports and stuff like that. It's a pain in the ass with the tools I have. So like you figure just entering, he would have more than he kind of let led us to believe. And like another element that just didn't quite fully add up to me is he did kind of like concede, you know, I, he basically, I don't want to put exact words in his mouth, but it was kind of like, you know, the edges are drying up. Even the top players, the best ROI you could expect is maybe a 5% ROI or saying that would be a realistic one and saying that is why he was more willing to kind of now come on and share things. And yet I actually found his responses of what he was willing to divulge to be very close to the best and very ambiguous so i was like wait are you toward the end of the road with how profitable dfs is or are you just so hardwired to not give up anything that even though you're letting go you still can't bring yourself to reveal anything yeah uh, i mean i kind of believe him though like it, uh, that in terms of like um obviously the game's getting harder but it seems kind of like he's was uh i don't know did you get this sense that he was kind of insinuating that he's gonna tone it down coming yeah. up here in the next year or two and maybe just not play dfs who knows in a couple of years because i think that's adam asked him a question along those lines of like you know where do you see yourself like in a year or two and i think he said like you know whatever's the next like peer-to-peer -peer gaming thing or like in the markets or whatever it did seem like the tenor of that interview was almost like the chess is okay thing like when he came on our show still had one foot in the world one foot out but was kind of exiting based on what he thought the ecosystem provided him from an edge standpoint. And I got a very similar tone from how you talked about it. Yeah. And uh, this past year, we talked about it on, the, on a couple shows ago. What did he win? Like five milli makers or something. I can't remember right. what it was, but just, yeah. just a sick milli maker run, not a bad time to kind of phase out your, your game, you know? Uh, so he, maybe he, he's running hot. He's kind of getting sick of it. Bound to happen. Yeah. Game's getting harder. I'll do some interviews finally. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe he's just like so trained himself to just not say anything that he's not really given anything, giving, giving anything up. But certainly it just seemed very ABC and uh, he makes his own projections basically. Maybe yeah, something I mean, this, that he didn't really get into. This is exactly what. 
Travis is saying in the chat here, it's not easy to go from never talking strategy at all to doing an interview. I'm guessing he was keeping things close for now, but will be more open in the future as he gets more comfortable. And that definitely tracks like basically no exposure anywhere. There's an old Roto Grinders article floating around that he did an interview. And then he did that AMA in the ETR Discord a couple weeks back. And then, of course, just did this show. So I definitely take for granted sometimes how comfortable we get just naturally discussing topics because we do it all the time. But for people who aren't used to that, um, there's probably a shell that they have to be comfortable coming out of. Yeah. He also was kind of a little wishy-washy on, he said he like worked with someone, but then doesn't work with anyone. Uh, not, not wishy-washy might be the wrong term. Um, but like, cause I work, uh, you know, with somebody like coders, <laughs> like, is that what he's talking about? Like, uh, you know, paying people or did he have like another DFS pro that, working together in the uh, whatever the those you know the kobe for mvp and cheddar right. biscuit blah, blah blah who won the millie last night though that like that kind of working together is a lot different than you know paying a coder and one thing's for certain like if he's not bullshitting about how um i don't know bare bones his like quote unquote team and processes like you said he's not paying a coder he's not paying a team he's not you know all this stuff like his margins must be insane with the volume he's getting down having one multiple millimakers is his overhead cost uh, an optimizer and a few subs to you know various projection systems i mean that's a pretty good roi that's what it sounded like did it? I mean, am I crazy? It sounded like he basically just kind of makes up his own projections. You know, does does like an hour or so of listening to podcasts and stuff, specific podcasts for research, and then uh, and then maybe he 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 mentioned like that other players use game theory, but he doesn't yeah. use sims. He didn't do anything special for late swap. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything <laughs> that's the modern whatever hidden secrets or whatever cool i don't even know what the right word is he doesn't do any of it well and that's why it's hard right because at least like you or nerdy tenor you come on and you're like i don't know how to describe it i press a button and the sim spits this out i can wrap my head around that or travis petty or chess is okay come in here and they say i roll up my sleeves and i'm getting my hand in the dirt projecting rotations consuming every single bit okay i can wrap my head around that but when you're in this amorphous middle ground of like rolling up your sleeves but also using advanced processes but i don't know exactly which one it is that's when i'm like what is actually going on here i i'm interested <laughs> it's like it's yeah. got to 80, I mean, 80 hours a week. I get it. Okay. You put in 80 hours a week, but he doesn't, he didn't really have any, it's just pretty ABC. He basically does the, spends the same amount of time I spend, but I have, you know, thousands of lines of code to do it for me, but then he wins everything. So it must be. It, I I guess the one thing he did admit that he spends a ton of time on were NFL Sundays. He said like he waits till later in the week, but then we'll spend like hours on a Saturday night getting stuff ready and then getting up. I think he said like 6 a.m. or something, which would give him what, like a seven hour lead time, depending on what his time zone is before before lock. So he is like putting in some manual hours there. But still, like to do that across multiple sports, multiple sites, you are then approaching chess is okay levels of hours. And it didn't sound like he was willing to say he was. Yeah. Well, he said he'd do our show. So maybe we'll follow up here and see if he'll he'll come on and 
try to answer some more questions. Maybe he'll be more comfortable with, uh, with, with us because we're, you know, we're so much, you know, more fun than Levitan. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Levitan just serving up these little softballs. No, you come in here, you don't know, I'm going <laughs> to drill the shit out of you. I'm going to give you the DFS equivalent of a waterboard torture until you reveal what advanced processes are using. <laughs> We're going to have uh, Patty and Ricky D fact checking his answers in the background. Like, no, no, no. In yeah. 2017, you didn't play that guy. We got the proof right here. I think that's the real reason, Brian, that you don't go to any live finals is because you're worried about getting shit faced and like cornering these guys in the back of the bar and asking them what their process is. <laughs> yeah, well, I would get shit faced. Uh, yeah. That would happen. Uh, Travis says something I found interesting was his ROI comment. I think he mentioned 5% is pretty good. Did he mean cash? I think he said 7.5%. Um, and he wins at 10%. So he's probably everything. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, not everyone could win at a 80% ROI level. All right, Travis. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we can get uh, Yuta on here. I'll, don't worry, Yuta. I'll at least butter you up with a few softballs before I, I go for the knife. So uh, we would love to have you uh, come on the show and hear, hear more about it as you go on uh, the media tour. Um, Brian, also, I don't know. Have you been – we've talked about poker drama in the past, but there's a lot going on right now. It's like – Doug Polk's at the center of it, and some of it stems from the Garrett Adelson, Robbie hand, and then there's this new thing with Berkey and claims of it. Actually, I thought the Berkey thing was interesting because Doug is basically calling him a scammer for running a training site, but also saying he's not beating those games. I feel like that's an interesting thing that comes up in like DFS tout culture a lot as well as like, can you be qualified to sell information? If you aren't like a profitable person in the games, you're actually touting. So I don't know. That's throwing a lot at you. But do you have any takes on uh, the drama going on in the poker world? Um, uh, it's Polk, Polk's really uh, pumping his lodge, his poker lodge, getting a lot yeah. of press for it. That's that's my initial take. Good job. Um, and then the, he's offering up a hundred thousand dollar just free roll to basically that guy airball, um, from the live at the bite games to go head to head with Berkey. Like they both were talking shit about each other. Doug is just willing to do a hundred thousand dollar marketing expense to get them to come play live head to head at the lodge. Huh? And air, so airballs calling Berkey uh fraud too. Wait, now am I mixing up the, uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. He called <laughs> airball called both Garrett Adelstein and uh, Berkey and I was getting them mixed up, but yeah, he called Berkey a scammer. What, what was there ever any um, uh, conclusion or to the uh, what's her name? Cheating hand, cheating scandal. No. And that was part of the podcast that that guy airball did with, with Berkey or sorry, with Polk. I'm getting all these names mixed up was that there was never any evidence that came out. Um, and Robbie is now like playing in, in these games again, Garrett Adelstein still maintains he was cheated, but there has been no conclusive evidence, um, that has emerged either way. Hmm. I always thought that one was less like for sure than the, uh, crash ripper guy. Yeah. Postal. Yeah. But I, I do think it's like, what, what do you think about that concept, though, in G highlighting Doug Polk qualified that he didn't think he was a scammer in the sense he was dishonest, more that he was a fraud, that he wasn't beating the game? Like, if you have a training course, and also you know things, like things in poker and the games you play, stuff can change soon. Like, you could launch a poker training site, be beating the games, and then in a year not be beating them regularly. Like, what responsibility does someone have selling 
DFS stuff, selling a poker course to actually being like profitable at that very moment? It's, I mean, that's a kind of an interesting question. Like the, um, I mean, I, cause I think like if you, let's say you're the exact same val- information you're giving out, like, let's just say it, it provides the same amount of value, but you're like really popular and people want your product more. Like I'd be fine if they charge more for it. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. Uh, more people, more demand, you could raise the price. Now, do they know how much value does Polk even know for sure? How much value he's providing each person. And it also to like, what if I'm an idiot and I buy your thing and I can't win from it, even though it's good info. Are you responsible for that? Right. He would probably say, I would just refund someone who's upset or something like that. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm so far out of the uh, poker um, content game that like back in the day I would have been like, okay, this site's pretty good. This site sucks. You can watch these videos on this site and this one get, you know, cancel this and then use deuces crack for a month or something. I don't even remembers, remembers that site. <laughs> well, it is, it is funny. We've talked about it before about the kind of the interest levels in poker right now and the meta, right. It used to be these outsized personalities, the Phil Helmuth, the Doyle Brunsons or whatever. That's what pulled people in. These guys were like, TV characters like that walked out of the movie, the Maverick or whatever, and started playing cards. Now the meta for poker attention is beefs, like beefs and scandals. I should say, those are the two things that really get the juices flowing in the poker community. And Doug, of course, like knows exactly what he's doing, right? Like if you're bringing attention, like he can put together sick lineups at the lodge, but leaning into the beefs is going to be what brings him the attention. So from a content standpoint, what Doug is doing makes a ton of sense, but it does feel very cyclical with poker. It's just like these two guys don't like each other. One says they suck. The other says they suck. All right, heads up for rolls. And we just rinse and repeat that forever. I suppose. I mean, uh, there's really not many uh, options you can do here. Yeah. You know, it's just poker. (laughs) You can't go like, let's play a full ring game and I'll, beat you after after yeah. 10 years of of data and i i think i even saw someone i don't know i don't know it was one of the best ball guys uh, i'm reading and maybe inspired by the poker thing oh maybe it was herzig that put out there like it would be fun to have like a challenge like that and of course we've we've attempted some of this in dfs right awesomeo and empire maker squared off that was probably the closest we've gotten to kind of like a marquee heads up for roles thing um, but it, it's just a much harder to execute and get fair parameters in, in DFS and in fantasy than it is in poker. Yeah. It's the, there's a lot, we, we've talked about it before, but there is a lot of differences I wish we had in DFS to make it more, uh, like, I don't know, entertainment worthy mm-hmm. and heads and heads up for roles is definitely something where people can wrap their heads around that, that Polk, um, the ground you challenge. I watched like half of the hands in that and I've yeah. been, and I hate poker now, you know, and it was still like, ah, I got to see what's going on here. And it like made you want to learn heads up, no limit. Yeah. But uh, I mean, in DFS heads up, yeah, it's not, it's not as cool. I do. I kind of still like the EM2, uh, awesome kind of format. Um, like like six you know ten ten man gpp something like that 
there's a lot of like game theory in that. It, it, even if you could get all 10 guys to, to get in on the bet, I mean, they already are if they're all playing it, but so I don't know why you, I mean, you can just play higher if you wanted. You don't really need to bet each other. I guess there's no VIG, but like, um, though that, that is kind of a skill. It's definitely like a skillful challenge. Like those smaller, like, I don't know, eight to 20 size GPPs that I'm just not sure people will like it as much. I don't think people care. I think it it would be, and we probably mentioned similar ideas like this before, but, you know, if DraftKings like cared about the ecosystem or like growing the game, like even providing kind of the guardrails or the infrastructure to host those kind of competitions you know, would be really cool. Like you get the top 10 in the world and you set up, you know, almost like, um, you know, tent pole events of like this contest for MMA, blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's big free or whatever. And you're kind of like facilitating this idea of these guys battling against each other. And then you make content around it. And then people are intrigued and they're following the standings and all this stuff. Like it's a no brainer for like growing the DFS ecosystem. But as we've said before, they just have no desire to do that. There's there's personalities too, and like in person footage back in the ESPN days, like yeah. you know Mike the Mouth and stuff like that. So just like what uh, the uh, uh, you know what, what what's that genre called of TV the the uh, the the MTV uh, oh, reality show reality shows yeah yeah it's very like reality showish that yeah. you do not have with DFS at all no. Which is which is a bummer because we we do have DFS personalities like you know we don't necessarily have the venues to kind of pull those personalities out but like Empire Maker versus Osimo I mean you want to talk about two guys who you can like sketch their characters on paper like if you gave that at a table read to someone who's reviewing a script like the the nerd with his Sims and stuff who crutches DFS versus the I know better feel more broy DFS guy who also has success like that story tells itself from like a character standpoint and that's why it was like the closest we've come to something like really fun and entertaining in the space yeah the uh, the goat the goat series the dk tried like yeah they i mean there needs to be more of that way more of that we remember we had the um the phil galfond house poker house idea for dfs you stick four yeah. six dfs bros in a vegas oh you can't do vegas because dfs is illegal there but you know what i mean somewhere fun for a month 30 for 30 or whatever that was called three, three two months two million yeah yeah it's funny you mention uh, Galfon because I did just see this tweet uh, pop up. Apparently, he's arbitrating, like trying to get this Berkey and Airball heads up match. Um, and uh, I love Nick Airball here uh, says, dude, go suck a dick for 25.50 buy in. You know, uh, <laughs> Galfon saying, hey guys, heading to bed. Ball is in Berkey's court. Uh, Nick says, I hope you sucked it. Good bitch. I mean, just really positive. Uh, conversation going on here between these two i love galfon just spending his time mediating just like this total piss pissing contest <laughs> and nick airball seems like a uh yeah reasonable person i know which is funny because he did come across in his doug polk interview as like a fairly reasonable one but uh at least in the uh telegram or whatsapp streets uh doesn't seem so much hmm why don't they Whatever. fight? That's that's what they really like. Forget the poker. Let's just do the Olivier Bousquet like MMA style throwdown instead. 
you know, I was thinking this year we could do for DFS the Tout Wars is yeah. do do a best ball Tout War. Yeah. Do the same thing we did last year. I did or whatever on my, but just ever we'll draft a team all on the same day. Like, yeah. Maybe we'll do it live on the show or something. Yeah. Um, and it could be for charity, I guess, if that's what people wanted. But yeah, it would be. You could do some fun stuff too, where it's like. You know, it, assuming people were like 150 maxing, say best ball mania, and then being like, which group had more teams finish in the top 500 of the regular season leaderboard or something like you could have some like fun, you know, games like that to see like which tout war group, you know, had the highest ROI, like under certain specific parameters. Could you, uh, can you make on DraftKings, can you make like a hundred person? tournament yeah and do yeah. 10 10 10 10 mans or whatever for for best ball or for dfs best ball oh best ball i'm not sure i thought you were talking Andre- about the private leagues on DraftKings. on underdog you can on make underdog, like 12 yeah. person individual leagues yeah you can't do it like 100 like 100 whatever it would be to even it out i can talk to them because i've been wanting to do like some smaller tournaments like i'd love to have a deposit kingdom contest that's like a three max you know like i don't know 1500 entry contest for the discord stuff like that yeah yeah i'm saying season-long best ball 100 whatever 190 something like that and then it would have some playoff format you know similar to the regular thing just way smaller the thing that's that's hard i think and this is actually one thing that is tough for like best ball content in general is it's hard to like engage like the sweat and the tracking, like come week six, everyone's just like, well, we'll check back in week 13 to see where everyone settled kind of thing where at least with like DFS events, it's as they come along, there's like, Oh, there's a new contest. Everyone's participating in. Let's see what happens now. It's just like, it's hard to maintain because even the spike week guys, like they invited me to, they called it the Royal rumble and 12 of us in the industry drafted and fucking Pat, of course, won as if winning best ball mania wasn't enough, but even they, they had grand plans to like build enthusiasm over the year and make content. But it's just like, it's hard to draw up enthusiasm for something that happened in July. That's going to happen regardless of anyone touching it, you know, I guess, but I mean, for the tout wars, I think we could do it. I think we shame these guys into uh playing you know touts yeah. want touts want to win the they etr do. think about it etr hired bots to vote in our polls pete they almost took you down you you versus was it leone or levitan no i who did i go up i mean i went up against hoop i know Speaking they cheated of- me leone definitely used bots to beat me yeah, um, you uh, you were running your own poll. You could jerry-rig it however you wanted, and you still lost. I mean, tough scene, Brian. You were Well, I thought Elon was going to get rid of all the bots, but clearly he didn't. The ETR bots are still strong on Twitter. <laughs> um, speaking of, have we, has anyone figured out what happened with Hoop leaving Run Pure? Was there any, like, follow-up on that? Anyone in chat? I haven't. I think they just, uh, I don't know. Conscious I, uncoupling? That's a good <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't know i I didn't i didn't get the tea on on what happened there um g says i like the idea of custom scoring we can set up a theme each week across a multi-week challenge to make it more exciting and build narrative for coverage and that's the other thing too like you would need the stakes and the incentives to be there right like 
you need a reason for Brian to want to check in and make a lineup specifically for this 25 person contest. You know, like you need to have that incentive. Otherwise, if it's just some like random little thing you do in the background, it'll never have like the heat that it needs. Are you talking about the Tout Wars idea? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's if it's best ball on underdog, it's you only draft once, you're done. Right, but in that but I guess I was talking more about the DFS one uh, style thing, but I'm just saying oh, like right. you would need there to be some fun stakes or prizes to to incentivize caring about it. Yeah, D- yeah, DFS. It's uh, there's I don't know if there's a good solution for that. No. Um, other big news around our parts, and I, I forget the first time we talked about this story. What was the first time we talked about um, this fishing scandal? That was a while ago. But we did get some conclusion here. Two fishermen caught cheating at Ohio tournament, and they do plead guilty. This this log line here is just incredible, or this lead. Two men accused of stuffing fish with lead weights and fish fillets in an attempt to win thousands of dollars in an Ohio fishing tournament last fall pleaded guilty Monday to charges including cheating. Just when I thought, you know, humanity couldn't get, you know, any worse. You got guys cheating in fishing competitions, Brian. If you look at the fourth paragraph there, he 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 agree, also agreed to give um fifth. I'm sorry, no, that's, oh. that's fourth. Right? Oh, sorry, I can't. Get um, it. also uh, agreed to give up his bass boat of a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> These bass boats should not cost a hundred thousand dollars. I'm boat. I'm in the uh, looking for a boat currently, and they're so ridiculously expensive. And bass boats are just like these stupid. <laughs> Just stupid like, little john boats and they're so just, expensive is is the risk worth twenty eight thousand? because that's what it says they would have received a little over twenty eight thousand in prizes for winning the tournament they i mean if i remember this story correctly from last time we covered it they they've been doing this for years though yeah okay so it's more like hundreds of thousands of dollars they finally got caught and they finally got caught wow wild it does just go to show any kind of thing where money is involved people will do whatever they can and, to win and guess who caught them the other fishermen right right it's just like gambling the best detectives right. are the players it's great i really don't remember uh i don't remember the impetus to us talking about this the first time uh maybe some lulls historians could remind us i can't remember I can't remember. It's a crazy story, though. I mean, yeah, cheating and fishing. I mean, the, the money's enough where, where it's like, okay, I get it. But like, if it was more in the twenty thousand dollar range, that's it. Like, let's let's say it's two grand or something. It's like you're fishing. You're. I was just telling my mom about this. The my when I was uh, uh in the little league all star team, like we won the like the first round. And we made it to the to like the second round. Our, our town like did, had done that in twenty years, and and my coach uh, cheated and and brought younger kids on our team. Yeah, and it's like, what are you what are you accomplishing here? Like, yeah. So you win some extra games at Little League. Are you gonna be like, oh, I'm so proud of this? <laughs> like some of these guys who cheat. You know, at a fish like a fishing tournament that where there's no prize or yeah. little league, and it happens all the time everywhere. They're just fucking weirdos. 
I mean, I guess the stakes are slightly higher, but like my high school basketball coach got in like some hot water for like recruiting stuff too, where he was skirting some of the rules for bringing in kids from other districts and stuff. And it's like, this guy was already a tenured, you know, basketball coach at my high school, had been there forever, um, had even won a state championship too. So it's not like he's getting fired if he has a down season and still feels compelled to like compete or uh, to, to cheat and potentially risk his job just to have like one slightly better team or player right. on your basketball team. And it's like, is the juice really worth that squeeze? No, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, like if he maybe is like, he can get a, a college gig and then eventually, maybe, right. you know, some crazy guy like that. But a lot of, I mean, if he's like 55 already and you know, it's over for him, like that's just insane. And then the other thing too is like, like what about the kid who now doesn't have a starting job or doesn't play? Because you're fucking cheating. Yeah, me too. You're looking, you're talking to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I played a lot less in the next in the second round because there was all these like 15 year old kids on our team. Maybe I was the whistleblower. Uh, who knows? No. <laughs> <laughs> Get, you know what the no. crazy thing was when I was telling my mom? She didn't know. No one knew. So none of the parents found out. This guy just cheated. Goodness. Yeah. So like, I I guess it was different times back then. Now you can yeah. just like text your mom. Hey, there's some like older kids here, you know, but, like, but like, um, yeah, what a fucking psychopath. Really? It's, it's, it's insane. And just a normal, normal, nice guy. You would never just, you know, if you went to the, yeah. saw him at the whatever bar or something, you'd be like, Oh no, Hey, good to see you. It reminds me there was this big news story, at least here. And I think it went semi-national. There was like this um, murder in Cohasset down on the South Shore in Massachusetts. And this guy um, basically murdered his wife. Um, and he had been arrested previously for forging um, Warhol, Andy Warhol paintings. And he had like gone over to like, it was like Korea or Japan to like get these fakes and all this. And he ended up making like $40,000 from it. And I'm like, if you're going to like forge a painting, don't you want it to be like the fucking Mona Lisa and you're getting like millions of dollars of this? I right. mean, this guy doing so much work to get arrested to make $40,000, like the things these guys will do for a little bit of money and the risk you take on in doing so, it's just mind blowing. It's, it's, it's an, it, that happens all the time. The amount of effort people put in to like yeah. tiny, tiny gains when they could just yeah. try it something, something else and just make tons of money. I had someone DM me the other day, uh, like a university of Michigan student or something like, you know, they're like how, you know, how can you get in a DFS? Do you have any advice for me? And like, it's nowadays, honestly, with you, I agree with you to Like, I think there's no reason to, you, you can like spend your time elsewhere. Like if you're smart enough, you know, to like, he was like a data analytics major or something like that. And if you're smart enough to beat DFS somehow after, you know, spending a year or two trying to figure out how to do it, you could probably make a ton of money somewhere else. Now it's probably, it might not be as fun. So, and, and, you know, take, give a shot at it. But like, yeah. I would probably say at this point, the, the party's, the party's over. You missed it. You're kind of like trying to start poker in 2012 or something. I I think I, I agree. The one thing I think you can always say, and you see a ton of it now of like, if you want to use DFS and fantasy 
as like fun subject matter to teach yourself new skills, right? Like if you wanted to learn to code or learn how to do a model or whatever, and it's like, yeah, you could do it about weather patterns in Venezuela, but that's not going to be as interesting to doing it about an NBA slate. Like as long as you're doing it from that approach, as far as like acquiring a new skill, I think that's like a really sharp way to do it. But if you're going in like, this is where the edge is and I'm going to make my 5% in DFS, that's probably pretty short-sighted. Yeah. Or like I want after college, I'm going to be a professional DFS player. It's like, yeah, I don't right. think you want to you just get a job. Get your degree. Yeah. <laughs> Even though degree is worthless, maybe quit your degree, but go to figure out another way to, to make some cash. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I get it. Like it gets romanticized, right? Like who it's the same thing happened with the poker people who doesn't want to have a living where it's just like, oh yeah, you just make DFS lineups uh, all day. And that, and then you watch the games at night and you rinse, repeat what a life. There's, there's also like, you could be the next Pete Overset theoretically, who knows, you know, you could, you, but you, you could, uh, you could like, uh, get a gig with better collective or some, something like that, you yeah. know? So uh, there, there is other, other avenues out there. Although that stuff's really hard too, to even get your foot in the door for those jobs. And it'll just you mean get just harder. doing like content in the, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's um no big deal for for us but like if you're just some some guy like they're not gonna put you on a show they're not gonna they're not gonna let you host host the swellcast well it's it's like the old paradox right it's like never been easier than now to make content right anyone can start a blog a newsletter a podcast like the equipment the barrier of entry is so so low and yet to stand out and then to actually monetize that or make a living or work for a site you really want. Like that's incredibly competitive and incredibly saturated. But I think it's cool. Like I see it in the best ball space a lot too. Now, like people don't feel the need to get permission now to, or the validation needed from like, Oh, I'm streaming for this site. It's like people just fire up their own streams. Like, and that's, and I, I think that's cool because they're getting the validation from, Hey, this is just something I want to do. I have an interesting perspective, or I think this would be fun. I don't need X site to pay me $25 a stream to validate that I'm like worthy of this, you know? Definitely. There's that, like one caveat. If you're, if you're a maniac, <laughs> and you and you obsess with things like you get really good at whatever i don't know some other game magic the gathering who knows whatever you're just even like selling shoes or something i don't know where mm-hmm. you're just you're just in the 0.01% of something you know then maybe go for it you know but um if you're not that person then 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 maybe not what did you just say though i wanted to piggyback on it um about not needing the validation of like a big site or whatever oh, for putting out content. Yeah, yeah, I I love I just love the idea. I just love like YouTube in general just or social media where like even it's it's kind of related to gambling this point is like cuz me and you don't have to have real jobs. You know what I mean? I just I love that it gives gives people the opportunity to get out of that treadmill. Mm-hmm. That was here for 70, 80 years where you just think, yeah, my dad got a job at the factory. Now I get a job at the factory and then his kid will get the job at the factory. You know, the one thing I'll say about the flip side is there are, there are trade-offs to everything too. Right. Because like there was like part of your, you know, um, 
I don't know, like you think about like your mental health or your security of like, hey, knowing I have this job, this paycheck, and we could also argue that there's no safe job right now, just considering the economy and how many major corporations are making massive layoffs. It's literally every day there's some other huge corporation that laid off 10% of its workforce. But that aside, um, you know, just knowing that you have that consistency of like, hey, that paycheck's going to be there. There is a benefit in having that versus when you are solo and or like me and getting revenue from different streams where you don't know like what, what my revenue is going to look like in a year, what, where that's going to come from. Like that is the other side of it is yeah. being willing to kind of deal with some of that uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not, like my conspiracy mind goes like, Pete, that's where they want. That's where they get you. That's where yeah. they get, you know, like they want to to limit or shut down the crypto markets. They want to limit and regulate the shit out of the social media part, but right. Cause they, they want to, they want you, it, it's, it's better for the state when you have a steady tax income and you're unlikely to move because that's like guaranteed revenue they could count on year in and year yeah. out. And, um, but I mean, it's, it is true. It's, it is pretty nerve wracking and there's a lot of, maybe, I don't know about in the content industry, but I'm sure it's there, but definitely in the gambling industry, guys, guys kind of losing it, uh, mental health wise. And I, I do think it was Bales that, or, I mean, I'm sure other people have wrote about this, but he was the one I remember kind of like synthesizing it too, of like how it is sometimes backwards that you think of just your one job of being the safe route versus having. You know, I have probably like eight to nine different income streams that comprise my income. And like if one of them went away, well, I would still have the others where if I lost my old day job. It would could take me months and months, maybe a year to find a comparable job that works for me elsewhere. There's almost like a lot more risk in that kind of configuration at times. Certainly. Yeah. And and, and uh, I can't pronounce the name but the union jobs guy. It's like, no, I mean, I know plenty of guys who work union have been laid off. Uh, all the time. If you can get in the union for a state gig, that's pretty secure, assuming you're on a lower bureaucratic level and not in the higher level. Because the higher level, you'd have to be, they're, they're all connected. And once, if so, a, a different uh, party wins the executive branch, you'll probably get fired. But like the lower levels, they have some pretty good, pretty good security. But I think, I think you're, you're, you're more right, Pete, where it's like, I mean, we all know, I think when I was in college, uh, I took a course and they said it was like between seven and eight, um, seven point something average careers for, for the amount of careers for the average adult mm. in their lifetime. They're like working lifetime. I don't Who knows what it is now? I would, I would guess it's probably more than back then. Yeah. Um, but either way, like, uh, a lot of those are voluntary leaving and leaving for a better job, but there's no, there's, there's no guarantee. You're, I mean, it's the definitions at will, right? Literally at will, yeah. like at their will, they can fire yeah. you whenever they want. Unless you're Lamar Jackson. <laughs> this is a good point from Shady. Uh, he says, I think I've said this before, but one of the other things for me is lacking the self-control to take time off if I'm relying on daily DFS play for my only income. And this is the other prong to the point I was trying to make too of, if you are doing, say, a 40-hour week where that's what your employer requires, and then you are off the clock those other 40 hours, when you are doing your own stuff, I deal with the nagging thing. There's always more I could be doing. There's this thing I could be working on, this seed I could plant that might help me out down the road. Like when you are kind of navigating your own path, that constant pressure of like you could be doing more, you are entirely reliant on your future success and income, like that is its own weight. 
I, it, that'd be nice to get like a app or something as a, a rem, like a reminder app, kind of like mm. I always, I always wanted, I think I told you this idea. I wanted to build an app, uh, an app, an app of um, like stories that like, like, um, like put life in perspective. Mm. Like there's like this old Korean, this is uh, during world war two, this, this, this Korean man, um, uh, and it was, you know, one country back then he was, they weren't in the war. Right. But he, they, they were taken over by Japan. So he was, um, conscripted to fight for Japan, you know, against his will, then taken prisoner by the Russians, conscripted by the Russians to fight. They sent him over to the Western front, then taken prison by the Germans who construed, this is a real, I can't remember his name, but you can Google this conscripted to fight against the Americans. He was conscripted by all these different and he survived all of them. And we, and we took him prisoner and he ended up through some, uh, some process somehow. Cause they were like, how is there a Korean soldier? You, you like probably Google Korean soldier in German Nazi, uh, whatever uniform and he'll mm. pop up. And, uh, and he made it, and they they made it all the way to America. They let him stay here, and he and he lived uh, in a town right next to where I grew up, Westmont, Illinois. Uh, and I always think of like stories like that, like when you're complaining about getting in your DFS lineups. Yeah, yeah. Dan in the chat saying cosmic insignificance is my jam. Um, but that's a reference bales twice out here. But oh yeah, like, go ahead. There's a, like just a bunch of stories like that, and then you just wake up every day, and there's just like a brief story about you know that kind of puts life in perspective, and it'd be good to, like for that for the like something too like slightly different, but variation on getting your shit done as a self-employed person would be cool. Mm. And I, I got to say really quick, shady advice. Did you win the hundred K last night in NBA? Is that uh, is that their username on? I think so. Well, there you go. Seems familiar. Seems well. If so, GG. Uh, nice job there, Shady. And plus, there's uh, no, there's no nothing that gives you those those confident fingers in in chat after winning a nice hundred ball. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Let me give some thoughts here. Everyone probably wants to hear them. I'm so smart. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Tted here. This is another element. Um, says I play poker for my income and dabble in DFS. I wonder if I'm wasting my time with DFS because I don't play with the volume many do that are pros. And this goes back to that whole thing too. Like, I don't want to make assumptions for Tted, but I'm guessing like DFS is fun and it's like almost like a hobby thing. But then you feel the opportunity cost of not devoting that time to something where you are making your income. And that's a huge other thing to wrestle with. It's like leisure and things we enjoy. It doesn't even matter if it's just fucking playing video games. Like there is value in that too for your own mental health and enjoyment of life. And yet we all feel those pressures of like, we need to be wringing out every last bit of EV and money-making potential we have with every waking second of our lives. I I mean, I would say like, yeah, probably not. Uh, you, you probably would. Unless you're doing like that, like kind of like, um, what's it called? Overlay hunting. Yeah. And uh, uh, playing the smaller sets, but even the smaller sites are tough now. Yeah. The guy, the guy's name was Yang Young Jung. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. That was um, the Korean soldier. Not a, not to cut us off here, but I know I need to get running. You have something yeah, to go to. Uh, we had to do a shorter Davis show is sending me messages right now. 
God damn that Davis. If I find you, it was Davis. I was ending this show for earlier. I would have just uh, kept blowing right past our. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I appreciate uh, you guys hanging out in the chat. Sorry. We have to abort this early. We had to start the show a little late on my end, ended a little early on uh, Davis's end. Um, but we will be back as usual every Thursday at one 30 PM Eastern. Anything else uh, on your end, Brian, before we power this down? Nope. Have a good one. All right, guys. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.